0: Bibles, please, to Galatians chapter number 2, Galatians chapter 2, and verse 20. The Apostle Paul writes, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, Christ liveth in me, in the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. When I was a boy, I loved to explore. And there in the hills of the Ozarks, it was just a great day to me to be able to just go out through the woods, maybe in a place I'd never been before, and just, you know, just look around and see what I could discover. It might be a cave that, I, uh, that I'd that i never seen before or any number of things. It, you know, it doesn't take a lot to entertain a, a kid if they really, you know, get excited about the outdoors and nature and... Uh, But I always enjoyed that, and I got to thinking this week. You know, life is actually nothing more than a series of discoveries. Think about it. Whether as an individual or in a corporate sense, it's just life is all about discovering different things. You think about Columbus, for example, and Columbus didn't create America. He He found it. He uh, discovered it, but it existed before he was ever born. Now let's think about some spiritual things, because the same thing that is true in that regards is true whenever it comes to our spiritual life. We we don't invent the truth. Although I think there are some that try. I think there's some preachers in their in their pursuit of trying to please people and to appear to be more intelligent than what they are, they love that feeling of boy, I've come up with something new. Nobody nobody's ever discovered this before. This is this is just great. Probably something they read in a commentary that was written 200 years ago, but they want to pretend like it's something that's really, uh, really new. Uh, we don't invent the truth; it's been there all of the time, and we discover it. Now, I'm saying all of that for a reason, because I can remember very well whenever I discovered the truth of our text here this morning. And I could spend several minutes talking about that, and I'm not going to. But I just, I, I just, I'm just reminding you that that was a, a special day of discovery in my life, and it's really something that every Christian needs to understand. I say that because a lot of people are saved, and yet uh, maybe they're weak, and maybe they're wayward simply because they've never been taught. That's why we've got to be so careful about sitting in judgment of Christians and say, oh, well, oh, you know, he he couldn't possibly be saved. Look what he did. And, and, you know, maybe he doesn't know any better at this stage in his Christian life. And so we need to take that into consideration because a lot of people have been saved, but they've never been taught important truths and it shows up in their manner of life and so when I look back over my life and I think about the fact that it's been a spiritual journey for me and and I think about all of the discoveries I've I, I discovered in, in a sense that that God existed and that that God created everything I that was a discovery I I didn't always know that I can remember, as I've said so many times, sleeping in the backyard whenever I was a kid in the summertime, and we didn't have air conditioning. You just take a blanket and go out in the backyard and lay down and sleep under the stars. And I'd lay there and look up at the stars and and wonder, wow, where did all of those come from? And and you get to thinking maybe there is some higher power. And and I was somewhat convinced of that, but I didn't know anything about God. Or, Jesus, I didn't know anything about any of that. But then I discovered something, you know, about the Bible. The Bible is, is you know, is the Word of God. And and all of a sudden, I made another discovery that, that Jesus Christ died for me. And that if I would trust Him, He would save me. And, I, and so I trusted Him. What a discovery that was. But then I discovered, wait a minute, this... This Christian life is not easy. (laughs) It's difficult. I mean, I knew now that I'm a Christian and ought to live like a Christian. I didn't know altogether what a Christian ought to do, but I was wanting to do the best that I could, but that wasn't always always as good as it could have been. Whenever I got saved, in addition to drinking and stuff like that, I, I, I loved to smoke a pipe, and I always... Always, always uh, ha- had my pipe with me, and but I'd talked to the pastor, and uh, and I'd maybe didn't lie, but kind of left the impression that uh, that that I'd quit smoking the pipe. Well, it so happened to be I was at a little old country store, and I was in there doing something, and. Boy, I come bouncing out the door with that pipe in my mouth and just then he pulled up in the school bus to gas it up and he stepped out and just met face to face and I, I just kind of melded. And I thought, wow, I'm caught. Now, that's not the only way that I fail. I failed in a lot of ways like I think every new Christian does. But then... I discovered the truth of this verse here, and it was one of the first verses I memorized uh, uh, shortly after I was saved. And the truth is, it's not so much what I try to do for the Lord. It's what He does for me. And when we come to realize who we are and what we have in Christ... And we apply that to our life We live our life in the light of that fact Who we are, what we have All of a sudden it enables us To live victoriously In other words, it's not, it's not what we do for Him It's what He does through us And I didn't know that when I got saved I thought it was what I do for Him So I went to every single service, and Bev can tell you, we dragged the kids out, we went to every, it didn't make any difference when it was, what it was, we were there, we went to everything, and you know, I told the preacher, I said, I want to teach a class, and I didn't know how to teach a class, but I wanted to do something, and said, let me drive a bus, I I, I had one, but uh, I wanted to do anything. And try as I did, I finally discovered it's not really about what I do, it's what he does through me. And I've said all of that to say this, I, I want to, at the beginning of this new year, I, I hope and pray that if you haven't, that you'll make that discovery here this morning. I want to speak to you about the life you live, the life you live. I want you to think about why you live, how you live, and how to live. And in order to do that, we have to be guided by the word of God. We just can't take a guess at it. God's word has to be our guide. Norman Harrison wrote in 1947 concerning this this verse that we've read this morning. These amazing words of the Apostle we conceive to contain the finest, clearest statement in a single sentence anywhere to be found of how the Christian life is really to be lived. That's quite a statement, folks. When you consider all that is found in the Word of God and to make a statement like that, Uh, you better be sure you know what you're talking about. But the fact is, I can't really disagree with what he said. And the more I look at this verse, and by the way, it is like a package of paradoxes as you go through it. And believe me, you can go down deep and stay down long, and there are mysteries here that, that you might never understand. But every single Christian, if they will apply themselves, can get the basic message that's needed from this verse. A lot of times we miss the blessings of it because we really don't study it. We don't get the meaning of it because we don't meditate upon it. The title of my message is taken from this one phrase here. Notice where Paul says, the life which I now live. The life which I now live, let me tell you, the life which I now live is not the life that I did live. There's a drastic difference. Before I was a Christian, I was spiritually dead, just like you are if you've never been born again by spiritually dead, I mean you are separated from God. You might know about God. You might be able to quote Bible verses. You might attend church, give your money, and do all of those things. But you are as dead as a hammer spiritually if you haven't been born again. And that's the condition that I was in. I, I, I was dead spiritually. I was enslaved to sin. I was selfish, I was proud, I was blind, I was confused, I was afraid, I was sad, I was lonely, I was condemned, and I just don't have the words to describe what an awful person I was or what a horrible condition that I was in. But when God saved me, God changed me. It wasn't that I started making changes, I tried that and it didn't work. So it's not the changes that I made after I got saved, it's the changes that that the Lord made. And the life that I now live is nothing like the life that I used to live. I didn't experience anything different physically. When I got saved, it didn't take any scars off of my body. None of the bumps and the bruises or anything else suddenly went away. I didn't get taller. I didn't get more muscular. I didn't, I, there was no physical changes whatsoever, but everything else in my life changed the moment that I got saved. By the way, the same thing happened to the Apostle Paul. By the way, the exact same thing happens to every person who is born again. That's why the Bible says here in Second Corinthians 5 and verse number 17, If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. There is a transformation that takes place. You see, we're not perfect, but we're different in a good way. And this verse explains what, why, and when it happened. Notice no notice what he says to begin with here, and the first thing I want you to see is that this life which I now live is the executed life. Paul said, I'm crucified with Christ. Now, if you've been crucified, you're dead, buddy. And he said, I'm crucified with Christ. Would you believe me if I said that I've been crucified, that I died? It's true. Whether you believe it or not, the moment, listen to me carefully, the moment that I was saved, there was both a birth and a death. I was crucified with Christ, but I was quickened by the Spirit. Now I realize Christ was crucified over 2,000 years ago, but there's a sense in which when He was crucified, I was crucified with Him. In other words, when He died, I died. Since he was my substitute, you could say that I was on the cross whenever he died. His death is my death. In fact, you can say the same thing about his burial and his resurrection. If you don't believe that, read Romans chapter 6. That's exactly what it tells us. That just as He died, we died. Just as He was buried and arose from the grave, even so, in a sense, that has happened to us. And you see, it is through faith that we are identified with Christ. He is our representative. He is our substitute. He took our place. As a substitute, He takes my place. As a representative, He put me in His place. We talk about being made righteous, for example. We're not righteous in and of ourselves, regardless of how hard we try. Our righteousness is found in him. And when God looks upon us, having trusted Christ as our Savior, he doesn't see us in our rags of righteousness. He sees us as though we're wrapped in the spotless robe of the righteousness of Jesus Christ. His death resulted in us dying to self and to sin. It's the executed life. But not only that, notice the next phrase here. It's the exchanged life. I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Now notice, but Christ liveth in me. In explaining how the vicarious Death and for you kids, that word vicarious means on behalf of others. And in explaining the vicarious death of Christ, uh, it leads to our victorious life for us. There's a big difference between realizing that, you know, on the cross that he was crucified for me and realizing that on the cross I was crucified with him. It's like somebody said, one aspect brings deliverance from sins, condemnation, but the other from power. In other words, if I am dead in Christ, it enables me to overcome the sin that at one time dominated my life. And the point is that it's not just about seeing yourself as dead, we see ourselves as being alive unto God. Now, that's why Paul said in Romans chapter 6, that we all all of a sudden, we become the servants of righteousness. At the time, we, we were servants of sin. And he said, now we walk in the newness of life. And so the moment you trust Christ as your Savior, it is the exchanging of the old life for a new life. And it's no longer I, Paul said, but Christ who lives in me. In other words, he is both the power and the purpose for which we live. That's why he said in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 21, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. So it's an exchanged life. It's not about me living. It's about him living through me. And the thing that keeps us from getting the victory in our life so many times, we make it all about us. Us living, what we want to do. But in the victorious life, it's about exchanging what you want to do and how you want to live for what God's will is. Thirdly, the life which I now live is an energized life. Notice he says, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Boy, we could really go off the edge of the cliff on this and go down deep and talk about a lot of different things. But I listen, there's no need to complicate what Paul is saying here. He's simply talking about the fact that it is by the means of our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ that we are energized to do the will of God for our life. We've received the atonement for our sins. That's wonderful. We have the assurance of heaven in our heart. And that's glorious, right? But we're not there yet. And so we need some aid until we get there, don't we? We need assistance. We need strength. We're delivered from the law and it's curse, But now, we have to overcome the world, the flesh, and the devil. Some people get saved and they got this, this idea because they've never been taught. They get this idea: Wow, you know, since I become a Christian, that means all of a sudden all my problems are going to go away. I, it's all going to be smooth sailing. There won't be any problems now. That'll solve everything. Oh no, you have more problems after you get saved than you did before. And the reason is because before you get saved. Even though you're living under the dominion of sin, even though even though you don't have the joy and the peace that a Christian does, you, you have no idea what you're missing. With the moment that you get saved, all of a sudden God has called you to live to a higher standard and all of a sudden the world, the flesh, and the devil come against you 24 hours a day there is constantly something to overcome in your life. And I've got news for you, regardless of how long you live or how smart you are or how much you know about the Bible, until the day that you die, it's going to be just like that. There are going to be battles to fight and victories to win. It's going to be difficult. And we can't do it on our own. God has called us to live a life that that requires a miracle, a life that is impossible for us. And therefore, that being true, in order to be victorious, we have to be energized by by some power that is greater than what we have in and of ourselves. And he provides it. Second Corinthians three and verse number eighteen, where he's talking about you know, looking in the glass darkly and what have you and, and beholding Christ. And as we behold Christ, he says, we are changed from glory unto glory by the Spirit, you see. He's He's the change agent. He's the one that as we focus on Him, that's why the Bible says, looking unto Jesus the author and the finisher of our faith, keeping our focus on Him As we do that, all of a sudden the Spirit of God enables us to do what we could never do before. You want to know what that looks like? Galatians 5 and verse number 22, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, and so forth. That's what it looks like. When we're living victoriously, those are the the graces that will be evident in our life. And if they're missing, mark it down, we're not living victoriously. If there's, no, if there's no love in your life, no joy in your life, no peace in your life and so forth, then you're living a defeated life. And notice he says that is the fruit of the Spirit. It's not about the works of the Christian. It's the fruit of the Spirit. It's what the Spirit of God produces in our life. He energizes us to do the things that we ordinarily could never do. So it's not about us living for the Lord, as we often put it. It's about Him living in and through us and doing for ourselves what we could never do. He changes our attitude and that changes absolutely everything else. We live in the flesh, but we live by faith. And with faith, all things are possible. That means that if I fail, I can't blame, I can't blame Bev. You know, I can't say, well, I'd be a whole lot better Christian if it wasn't for her. Man, she just holds me back and drags me down. And I can't blame the church. I can't say I could be a whole lot better pastor, but that bunch of knuckleheads down there at Lakeway, man, they just keep me tore up all the time. They don't treat me right, and blah, blah, blah. No, when I fail, I have nobody to blame but myself. I don't care how bad people treat you or what happens to you. You never have anyone to blame but yourself when you fail. Because there is a divine energy in the person of the Holy Spirit that is able to meet your every need and enable you to do what you ordinarily couldn't do. The other day I was in a little country store with Thread and Mike and I saw a cap over there and I'd never seen one like it before because of the, little, the words written on it. And it happened to be one of my favorite verses, Philippians 4.13. For I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. And I bought it, and I've been wearing it around all last week. Just a great reminder of the fact that, that through Christ we can do all things. Now, I really hadn't planned on commenting on the very last part of this, but But I'm convinced as I sat up here on the platform a while ago that I'd be leaving out the most important part if I did. You see, everything else is possible. All of the stuff I've talked about so far, all of that is possible because of what we're about to read here in the last part of the verse where he says, who loved me and gave himself for me. I could use a lot of different words to describe that for the fourth point of the outline. I could call it the enabled life or the excited life. I mean, that's exciting. The enjoyable life or whatever. But I think maybe the best way to describe this would be, since we're talking about the life which I now live, This has to do with the enduring life. And I'm using that word enduring for three reasons. Number one, because nobody can steal what I have in God. What's that old song, "The the world didn't give it to me and the world can't take it away? Something like that. Nobody can steal what I have in God. You can break into my house and you can steal you know, our valuables and things like that. You, you can even tarnish my reputation by telling lies about me. You can, you, you can steal a lot of things, but you, you can't take away what I have in God. His love for me is unconditional. His power over me is unlimited. So, as Jesus said, nobody can pluck me out of the Father's hand. We can sing "Safe Am I," and mean every word of it. Secondly, nothing can stop me from loving God. You might be able to stop me from doing a lot of things. You can puncture my tires. I can't, you know, I can't take off until I do something about that. You could stop me from doing other things, but uh, once a believer, always a believer. Now, have you ever heard these people talk about? Well, I used to be a Christian. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. Once a believer, always a believer. You you don't become a Christian and then one day decide, well, I want to be something else. That's why we Baptists talk about eternal security. We are eternally secure. A true believer has enduring life. Why? Because he never stops loving God. Thirdly, nothing can separate me from the love of God Go home and read Romans chapter eight, starting about verse number thirty, and you go down through that list and I'm telling you what neither height nor death nor things present nor things to come, nor any other creature in other words, that's what it's Paul's way you can see he is just. It's like he, he's exasperated and looking for words to describe uh, this. And, and and he just finds this, There's nothing that can separate me from the love of God. Isn't that great? Yeah. To know that I am in a relationship with God, that I have enduring life because I have eternal life provided by the God whose love is everlasting. Right. The life that you live will be determined by your response to this truth. Who loved me and gave himself for me. What does that mean to you? You can walk away from it. You can ignore it. You can doubt it. Do whatever you will with it. But let me tell you, your choice is going to carry with it consequences. And they're not good if you reject this truth. He loved you and he gave himself for you. The life which I now live. My final question is this. What kind of life are you living? What kind of life are you living Have you got an answer? What kind of a life are you living? The life which I now live. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's the only safe ground to build your life on. Anything else is going to be sinking sand. Wouldn't it be great if someone would realize the life that I've been living is not the life God designed for me? And this morning, by the grace of God, I'm going to get on the right track. And I want to to live that executed life. I, I, I want to see myself as being dead unto sin but alive unto God. I want to live a life that is victorious instead of defeated. It can happen. Would you stand with us please? Father, how we thank you, Lord, for all you've made available for us, not just for some select few of us, but what you've made available for every single person here and around the world. We're thankful for the great potential that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ and the difference that he makes in our life. And I know this morning every Christian could stand to their feet and they could testify as to how you transformed them. But Lord, there are those that, that have never tasted of, the, of your goodness and never experienced the salvation provided by your grace. And I pray you'll speak to their heart this morning they'll see their need and they'll trust Christ as their Savior. And Heavenly Father, if there's some Christian, maybe a new Christian that's never really grown and and really doesn't understand what it takes to be victorious, help them to see this morning it's not about trying, but it's all about trusting. And may they trust you for the victory they need. For we pray in Jesus' name. While we stand together and sing, if God's speaking to your heart, would you come please?